Awesome worship. Good morning. Hello, everybody. How are you? I just want to say a special welcome to our live stream. Thank you so much for tuning in. However you're tuning in on your TV or on a phone, you're driving, whatever it is, thank you for tuning in today. I heard that we also have Joy Church Grants Pass tuning in today, so we just want to say hi to you guys. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. We're excited that you're here. Um, that was awesome worship, wasn't it? Yeah, we had a couple special guests. We had Pastor Aaron from Joy Church Grants Pass today. He, it's so cool that he was here. He's the second best Joy Church pastor drummer. Oh, I'm just kidding. Am I kidding? I don't know who's going to be more offended if I say I'm kidding. Okay. And we also had Pastor Natalie from Joy Church Medford. That was such an awesome treat. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, that's a wonderful time. So if you guys have been around, you know that we are in a series called We Are Joy, right? We Are Joy. That's who we are. That's the name of our church. And that's what we're talking about. I have some funny um, construction road signs to show you guys today. Um, yeah, stop. Keep moving. What are you supposed to do here? Uh, lost children point. Please use bins provided. I love this one. I would love to use the bins provided. Entrance only. Do not enter. What are you supposed to do? Crash your car. Caution. Live children playing. I'm okay with live children playing. Oh, I love this one. Secret nuclear bunker. This way. There's our secret nuclear bunker. Beware. Children at play. This is actually in my front yard. That's my front yard right there. Caution. Water on road during rain. Oh, cool. Now I know. Those, those are funny, right? They're funny because they're incongruous, right? So they don't make sense. They're saying one thing, stop, do not enter, entrance only, right? It doesn't make sense, and so they make us laugh. Well, right now we are talking about we are joy, and we are exploring who we are as a church, why we exist, and what God has called us to do in this city. You know, when we were starting the church and thinking about what should we name the church, we thought of a lot of really out there, trendy Greek words to use for names of our church. And we, Jake and I, we were thinking, oh, it would be cool to call it this. Is this too trendy? Will this not be cool in five years, right? And going back and forth, trying to figure out what to call the church. And, and um, Jake's, or his parents have a church in Medford, you guys know that, and they were called Joy Christian Fellowship. And so he had the idea of calling us Joy Church tying into that history, and then they changed their names too, which is cool, and really just deciding we, Joy Church is a great name for a church. You see, we believe that joy is a uniquely Christian emotion, yeah. that no, no, no other way do you experience joy than when you get connected with your Savior, when you get connected with your Creator, when you get connected with Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. And so that should define us as Christians. That should change who we are. We've been hearing this quote the last couple of weeks by G.K. Chesterton. It says, happiness depends upon what happens, but joy is a different matter. You see, you know, if you go out and you buy me a coffee, right? Unexpected treat. Okay, even if it's expected, I'm going to be happy, all right? But and it happens to be my favorite coffee, right? You bring it to me, I'm going to be so happy, right? I'm just going to be so happy. It's unexpected. I'm so happy. Now then, if I immediately trip and spill my entire coffee, am I still going to be happy? No, I'm going to be raging, right? No, I'll probably smile. Oops. And then I'll be inside like dead, 
dead inside, right? Because happiness depends on what happens around us. How many of you guys have been noticing, there's a lot of crazy things happening around us right now, right? There's a lot of crazy things happening. And happiness, how happy I am, would depend on what's going on around me in my circumstances. But joy is totally different. And joy is what Christians are supposed to be. You see, Christians, it doesn't really matter what's going on around us. It doesn't matter if the whole world is burning down, right? It doesn't matter if our families are fighting. I mean, it matters, but it's not going to affect my joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. And Christians realize, man, everything can be going bad. I can still have joy. Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is how I make it through the day. The joy of the Lord is how I live, right? And so that's what's supposed to be different about Christians. How many of you guys have ever met a Christian who was mean? How many of you guys have ever met a Christian who was not joyful, right? Just like those signs, it doesn't make sense. You look at it and you're like, oh, right? There's lots of SNL skits about unjoyful Christians because it doesn't make sense because this is who we proclaim to be. We claim that we are full of joy. So when you meet a Christian who has no joy, you're wondering, why do you go to church? It seems like you are just adding extra things on and it's not benefiting you, right? Well, today I want to talk to you about what I think is one of the biggest hindrances to joy right? I want joy in my life. I want to walk in joy. I want to live in joy. I want to be joyful, right? But what is one of the biggest hindrances to you having joy? Maybe you say, I come to church. I'm not that joyful. How am I supposed to have joy, right? And so this is what I believe is one of the biggest hindrances, and it's unforgiveness. I believe unforgiveness is one of the biggest hindrances to joy in your life. Um, There's an old book written in the 1600s. It's called Pilgrim's Progress. And when I was thinking about this message, this picture of the man, his name in the book is Christian. This man, he has this heavy burden on his back. And he feels this burden. It's so heavy and it's too heavy for him to bear. And he even goes to his wife, he goes to his children, and he says, this burden, I can't carry it anymore. It's too heavy. I have to do something about this burden I've been carrying. And his family says to him, there's nothing on your back. What are you talking about? There's nothing there. You're fine. Everything's fine, right? They don't see the burden that he's carrying, but he feels it. And so he goes on this journey in order to get rid of this this burden. And it's a beautiful story where Christian finds the cross, he finds Jesus, and it's just a beautiful book. This book was actually written in the 1600s by John Bunyan, and he was in prison, rotting in prison when he wrote this. And he... um, didn't think it would ever be published. It wasn't something he wrote for other people. He wrote it for himself because he was having a spiritual awakening. And so he, you know, was writing these poems. And when he got out of um, prison, they decided they were going to publish it and make it into a book. And they actually had to go through and they had to completely um, help all of his spelling problems, all of the issues, because he never meant it to be a book. But when I was really studying and thinking about today, I just had this picture that so many of us are walking around like Christian. We're just weighed down by heavy burdens. And in the book, the burdens aren't only unforgiveness, but that's what I'm going to talk about today, is that when we carry unforgiveness in our heart, 
When there's people that have hurt us, have wronged us, have done things that aren't fair, that aren't just, and we carry those things around with us, it's like a really big backpack. And we carry it around wherever we go. And today, I truly believe that God wants you to walk out of this place free of those burdens. That God doesn't want you, wherever you're listening, he doesn't want you, he didn't create you to carry burdens like that. In fact, when I was studying forgiveness, I came across the the John Hopkins Medicine website. I found this great quote. I'm going to read it off the screen because it would be easier. Trust me. Okay, this great quote. This isn't a Christian thing. This is actually a medical website, right? And this is what they said about forgiveness. Studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health lowering the risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels and sleep and reducing pain, blood pressure and levels of anxiety, depression and stress. And research points to an increase in the forgiveness health connection as you age. There is an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed, says Karen Swartz, MD, director of the Mood Disorders Adult Consultation Clinic at the John Hopkins Hospital. Chronic anger puts you into a fight or flight mode which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes, among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels, leading to improved health. Isn't that incredible? I was totally shocked by that. I was like, wow, this is, this is incredible. That medically speaking, they're saying, you're going to live a better life if you will let things go. You will live a better life if you will forgive. In fact, I believe that we were biologically created by God to forgive. And when we don't forgive, our bodies actually break down and we get sick. Now, there's a great book, The Freedom Factor, and in it he says, you know, he's not all, obviously, not all sickness is from unforgiveness. Absolutely, we all know that, we all understand that. And he said, but if you are sick, isn't it worth a try (laughs) to forgive? You know, right? It's probably the cheapest um, medical treatment you could ever get. Isn't it worth a try? If I am sick, it's worth a try to let go of some unforgiveness to see if maybe I start feeling better. Well, I have three points for you today about forgiveness. My first one is that forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. How many of you guys have heard the cliche, time heals all wounds? You guys ever heard that? You know, this is what you write in a card when someone goes through bad things. Time heals all wounds, right? I don't think it's true. Actually, I think it's totally false. I don't think it's true in any way. Time does not heal anything, right? Time does not heal any wounds. We know someone who had a terrible infection who I think was thinking maybe time would heal the wound. It didn't. The infection spread. It got worse, right? Time did not heal the wound. This is why you can see people who, who are older, I'm not going to say what age is older, okay? I'm not going to step in that trap. I won't even go there. I'm not even going to give a starting age. But we have people who are older, who are well advanced in age. Whatever age you are, just add 40. That's well advanced, right? Well advanced in age, and they're still mad, right? They're still angry. They're full of resentment. They're full of bitterness. They're full of hurt and pain, right? From something that happened maybe 40, 60 80 years ago, time did not heal their wound. And that's why you can also meet young people who have been through traumatic, 
horrible experiences where pain and horrible things have been done to them just recently, and yet they walk in freedom and joy and gladness. Why? It's not time is not the factor that heals our wounds, right? Jesus is the factor that heals our wounds. And forgiveness is something that each of us has to choose to do. The actual definition of forgiveness is forgiveness is the intentional and voluntary process by which a victim undergoes a change in feelings and attitude regarding an offense and overcomes negative emotions such as resentment and vengeance, however justified it might be. Even in the definition of forgiveness, it says it's intentional and voluntary. You have to choose to forgive. You have to decide, I'm tired of this burden. I'm ready to forgive. I'm ready to let it go. And honestly, I think we all know the thing that's so hard, the reason it's so hard for us to forgive is we feel like if I forgive this person of what they did, then they'll never be held responsible, right? They're they're living their life and their life is better than mine, right? Whatever it is that we see. And we think, I can't let go of what they did to me because they never paid for it. But forgiveness really is a big act of trust, trusting in God that he's the maker, that he's the beginning, he's the end, that he knows what's going to happen, right? And that you can trust him with your pain because he's a just God and he has a bigger plan going on. Forgiveness is a choice. You know, in Matthew We're going to look, this is our main text for today. It's in Matthew 18, and this is when Jesus, we believe that Jesus was the son of God, that God sent him to the earth as a baby, that he lived the perfect life. He he never sinned. The Bible says he was tempted in every way that we are tempted, but he did not sin. It kind of always makes me a little mad, you know? I'm so grateful, but I'm also like, no, you did so good, right? And I do so bad, right? You were tempted in every way I was tempted in every day, you know? But here, Jesus lived this perfect life on earth. And this point in the story, he's beginning what we call his public ministry. So what it means is that he began to preach. He began to heal people. He began to do miracles everywhere he went. He began to gather a following. He has his disciples. And that's what's happening in this story. And his disciples means his followers, people who are following him, they had heard him talk about forgiveness multiple times, right? He's already spoken about forgiveness. He's already talked about forgiveness. So one of his followers, Peter, comes up to him. And I think Peter has a real question here. You know, he's trying to get down. Okay, well, what about this forgiveness stuff? But he also knows, okay, Jesus already talked about forgiveness. So, you know, I'm going to make sure he knows. I know you've been talking about it. And I'm also going to make sure he knows I'm going to be really generous with what my conclusions, right? So Peter comes to Jesus and he says, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him, right? How many times that my brother keeps sinning against me do I need to forgive him? As many as seven times? And I just see, right? Can you guys just see Peter like being pretty generous? What do you think? Like, Jesus, how about one time and then you cut the person out of your life? How about that, right? How about they make one confusing post on social media and I cut them off for the rest of my life, right? Right? And what is Peter's like, okay, how about seven times? I'm real generous. And Jesus answers completely different than what Peter thinks. He says, I do not say to you seven times, but 
77 times, right? And some accounts say 70 times seven times. And there's lots of different, um, I've heard lots of different teaching on what this means, what the number means, but he's not really saying you need to make a tally mark. And once the person gets to this many times, you know, then you're good, right? What he's saying is forgiveness is really just a lifestyle. You just have to be a person who walks and lives in forgiveness, continually forgiving. Every time someone offends, every time someone hurts, every time someone, you know, cuts you off on the belt line, Pastor Jake, whoa, right? Every time someone does that, forgive, right? I'm going to walk in forgiveness. And so my second point here is that forgiveness is serious. Forgiveness is serious. We're going to read the rest of this passage. It's a little bit long, so just stay with me, okay? So I'm going to start at verse 21. We already went over it. We're going to read it again. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. So right now, Jesus is going into what we call a parable. He's telling them a story, right? It's not necessarily a true story. He's just telling them a story to help them understand the point he is trying to make, okay? So a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell to his knees, imploring him, have patience with me. Lost my spot. I said it too dramatically. And I will pay you everything. Have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay me what you owe me. This is like dinner time at my house. (laughs) We have three little kids, and if one of them takes more than what they should of anything we're eating, it's like choke time, right? (laughs) Pay me what you owe me, the other kids. You know, you had too many chicken nuggets. Give it back, whatever. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is an intense story that Jesus tells. You know, in this story, the master is God, right? We're seeing this picture that this master is God. And guess what? The wicked servant is us, you, me, right? I would rather be the hero, wouldn't you guys? Like every story, you know, every fairy tale, you're like, I wanna be the one who ends up on top. 
right? I want the happily ever after, whatever it is. I want to win the lottery. You know, we play these games. But in this story, we are the wicked servant. And what it's saying is that God has paid your debt. You had a debt that was too big. It was too much for you. And maybe you're in this room and you're like, what? (laughs) What was my debt? I know I have a lot of student loans, but how do you know about them, right? But we're not talking about a monetary debt. We're talking about the debt of sin, the debt of rejecting God, the debt of disobeying or going our own way. And that debt is so huge. It's impossible for any of us to be able to pay it. And so we come at the mercy of God and we say, God, forgive me. Forgive my debt. Have mercy on me. I can't pay it. And I love what it says about the master is he looks at the servant and has compassion on him. Or in this version, I think it said had pity on him and says, your debt is paid. You've been forgiven. He's not even going to make him work it off. He's saying, you're forgiven. It's over, right? This huge debt, it's over with. And yet in turn, we go and we find other people who we think owe us, right? And the sums are so dramatically different. That's kind of the point of the story, is that we owe, how much is it? Let's find it. 1,000, right, talents? 10,000 talents, couldn't find it. 10,000 talents, right? And the other people owe 100 denarii. I have no idea what those things mean. They are meaningless words to me, (laughs) right? Except I know that 10,000 is huge, and I know that 100 is a lot, but not nearly as big, right? And so we have a debt that is owed to us, and when we refuse to forgive it, and I think the picture here that Jesus Jesus uses is so poignant that in the same way, this new servant, in the same way, falls to their knees and pleads and says, please have mercy on me. I can't pay it. And when we, for, when we refuse to forgive someone, in the same way, we're saying, no, go to, go to prison. Go to prison. You can pay your debt for the rest of your life in prison. You can rot in prison. But sadly, with unforgiveness, the prison is inside of us. We're only locking up more pain and more hurt inside of us. And so what God is saying in this parable is that if you won't forgive, then I can't forgive you. Forgiveness is serious. You see, we want to forgive because we want to be free, right? We don't want to carry that burden around. I want to forgive because I, you know, I just read it's going to biologically help me, right? It's going to help me in my health. I want to forgive for those reasons, but I also need to forgive because God takes it so seriously because he says, if you won't forgive, then I can't forgive you. I've forgiven you of an enormous debt. So if you won't forgive the people around you, then I can't forgive you, right? The last thing is that forgiveness is freedom. Forgiveness is freedom. You know that picture of Christian with that heavy burden around him? Um, That picture I think is so poignant because if you're carrying something heavy, how many of you guys give piggyback rides to kids? (laughs) right? My, our last child is really the only one I can give a piggyback ride to. I can give a piggyback ride to our second born for very short spurts. And then our last child, she's five. And sometimes I'll give her a piggyback, but if I'm giving her a piggyback, I can't do much else, right? And I'm kind of bent over. I'm getting closer to the ground as the weight gets heavier. I'm not free, right? Can't scratch my nose. 
can't get a drink of water. I can't do anything except hold on to those legs and, and be like, please stop pulling my hair or don't, don't hold me by the throat, right? Kids always hold you by the throat. But I'm not free. Forgiveness is freedom. God didn't create you to walk around with a heavy burden on your back. You know, when we worship, one of the things that we do is we lift up our hands. And one of the reasons that we do that is it symbolizes this surrender to God. We say, God, I'm surrendering to you. I'm surrendering to who you are. You know, I can't put my hands up and lift my head up to God if I'm holding a heavy burden. God did not create you to hold that burden. He wants you to have freedom. In um, 2012, many of you guys will remember, there was a, a, the largest U.S. school shooting in history, in U.S. history. It was the Sandy Hook Elementary School um, shooting. And 28 people died during the shooting. And it was particularly horrible because it was at an elementary school, right? All school shootings are horrific. But it was so sad seeing the victims, and they were all little six-year-old children. And Scarlett Lewis was one of the moms who lost her son during the, the Sadie Hook shooting, her son Jesse. And she said in the days after the shooting, she was so overwhelmed with anger. She literally, she said she couldn't think, she couldn't think straight. She was completely consumed with anger. She was angry at the man for shooting her son. And she was so angry at this mom who unwittingly gave her son access to a gun. She was so full of anger. And then she said she decided to choose to forgive. And there's this really powerful quote that she talks about that process, but she says, forgiveness felt like I was given a big pair of scissors to cut the tie and regain my personal power. It started with a choice and then became a process. She urged mourners at Jesse's funeral to change their anger, angry thoughts into loving ones, and thereby they might change the world. She grabbed hold of something and realized, I can't live the rest of my life this way. Yes, I have this horrible pain. I have this horrible thing that has been done, but I, I can't bear this burden anymore of anger. And I love that what she said, that it felt like someone handed me scissors and I could cut that burden off of me. And today, that's what God wants for every single one of us, that you would not live your life with burdens. You would not live your life weighed down with all of the pain, regret, resentment, anger of the things that have been done to you, or even maybe the choices that you have made that you can't forgive yourself for. God did not create you to walk in unforgiveness and to live in unforgiveness. He created you to walk in freedom, and that's what he wants for you today. And my prayer is that every one of you today will walk out of this room lighter, that you will feel that burden fall off your shoulders as you choose to begin to forgive. Forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is serious. God takes it seriously. And forgiveness is freedom, freedom for your life. You know, in Luke, it's, it, we see this account of Jesus. And Jesus, right, he lived on this earth and he is he's ministering to people and he's gathering a following and people literally hate him, right? They want to stop him. And so they begin to spread lies about him. They falsely arrest him. They falsely accuse him. His friends 
abandon him, and then they beat Jesus, and then they take him up to a hill and they crucify Jesus. They nail him onto a cross between two thieves. And in that moment of Jesus, at the height of humiliation, the height of betrayal, the height of pain, right? The height of all of these horrible things that Jesus is going through, he says something. He says, Father, talking to God, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. In the height of all of that, when I think all of us would have given up, right? I would no longer be asking God to forgive people. And yet that's what Jesus did, is in that moment, he literally prayed to God and said, God, forgive these people, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Jesus loves you that much. We sang that song earlier today about God's love for you, that there's no mountain he won't climb up. He's coming after you with his love. And maybe today you are saying, forgiveness, I don't even know where to start. I don't have a relationship with God. We want you to come into a relationship with God. Giving my life to Jesus, asking him to forgive me of what I have done is the most important decision I ever made in my life. And we want every person in this room to have that opportunity as well. So if you would right now, would you bow your your, um, head? Would you close your eyes? Even if you're watching on a live stream, bow your head, close your eyes. And if you're you're here in this room and you say, I want to choose Jesus, it's simple. The Bible says that we put our faith in him, that we say, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe you rose from the dead and you can be saved. And so if you're in this room today and you want to give your life to Jesus, would you just lift up your hand? No one's looking around. We're not trying to embarrass you. Thank you. We just want to invite you into this relationship with God. Anybody else in this room, just lift up your hand. Thank you. Anybody else in this room? Thank you. All right, right now we're going to pray a prayer. It's not a magic prayer. It's just a way for you to verbalize that you are putting your faith in Jesus Christ. So if everyone in the room, if you will repeat after me, um, or if you're watching on the live stream, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for the life that you lived for me. Thank you for forgiving me. God, I confess I have made mistakes. I have hurt people. God, would you forgive me? Jesus, I believe in you. I put my faith in you. I trust you. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen.